Welcome to Truth and Reason. I'm Chris Kramer. If you have any questions or comments about this program, please uh, email me, chriskramer11 at gmail.com, or you can make a comment in the section under YouTube, or you can go to the Facebook page at um, Truth and Reason Bible Studies. So thank you for joining us on these studies. Ephesians chapter 6 is where we left off last week, and we are beginning that famed uh, portion of Scripture that talks about the whole armor of God. I'm sure this is a lesson you probably heard many times throughout your life and look at uh, descriptions of the armor of God and looking at the analogies that uh, Paul the Apostle uses to describe uh, the many uh, facets or aspects of our faith in the Lord. So let's uh, go ahead and look at the introduction to this part where he says, finally, this is verse 10, finally, my brethren. A lot of times we uh, joke about preachers that use the word finally, or we've come to the close of the lesson and they preach another 20 minutes. Well, we're in good company because Paul does the same thing. But he says, finally, in other words, he's, he's bringing everything that he has said from the previous chapters, I think he's bringing all together in this final point, in this final push to be strong in the Lord. Let's read that. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. And then we'll talk about what to stand in in just a few moments here. So when we look at this passage as he begins uh, the latter part of, of his letter, he's encouraging them to be strong in the Lord and that the Lord is the one with the power. The Lord is the one who has uh, the strength. And so he goes on to say, put on the whole armor of God, which we've said that several times to emphasize this point. He doesn't say one piece here and there. He simply says, use it all. And this is one of the problems that I think we have sometimes in our relationship with God today is that people oftentimes just want to pick and choose what they want to do in regard to maybe their worship, uh, their daily activities of faith, whatever they might be. People tend to just worship God the way they want. That's not the way that God intended for it to be, according to Scripture. And when he encourages us to be strong, again, he's saying, you don't have to be strong on your own accord. You be strong with me. I'm going to give you that strength, and I'm going to give you the tools necessary to overcome the wiles of the devil. You see, he says some things here in regard to authorities and so on, and he says we don't wrestle against the physical things. In other words... Our, our battle is not fought in a physical sense here on this earth. It's fought in a spiritual sense. We have to know the difference between right and wrong. We have to take a stand, and we have to use our, our minds and our hearts, our mouths, when we are confessing and proclaiming the name Jesus Christ. We show the strength of the Lord in the things that we say and the things that we do. But we are not fighting a, a physical fight here. We're fighting a spiritual fight, and there's a fight going on out there 
that sometimes we don't even realize is happening. And we have to come to the realization that sometimes God is protecting us from things that we don't even know about. I'm not going to pretend to understand everything that he's pointing out in the scripture here when he talks about rulers of the darkness of this age, spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places. I think we have examples of those things throughout the Bible. But remember, the emphasis is placed upon standing against Satan. As he points out here in the passage that we just read, that we may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. What are the wiles of the devil? Well, just look at the world around you. It's so deceiving the way that society behaves, the reasoning of the sins that men partake in. Everyone's got a reason. Everyone's got a justification. And we're being told as Christians today that our views are wrong. We're being told as Christians today that we are on the wrong side of history because we preach against many of the social problems that are going on out there now. Well, we have the power of God behind us. And though we may feel like sometimes while we're here in this earth that we are losing a few battles, we're still winning in the Lord. And you know, at the end, whatever end comes about in our lives, we may, we may suffer loss physically but we're going to gain spiritually. Jesus said over and over again, lay your treasure in heaven. That everything that is worth anything is built in heaven through his church. And so we look forward to having that day when we will have that, what we like to call mansions over the hilltop. We sing that song based on John chapter 14 and verses 1 and following. But Jesus says there are rooms in the Father's kingdom. And so when we look at a passage like this, we do have a fight. We must fight against wickedness. We must fight against wrong. And we do that with the Word of God. That's the beautiful thing about it as well, is that we're letting God do the speaking here through Jesus Christ. He goes on to say in verse 13, Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Because I'll tell you this, unless you take up the armor of God, you will not be able to withstand. And you may give in. One, you'll be destroyed by wickedness, first off. That's always the end, you know, the sad end story to sin is a destruction. But also of the fact that you give yourself over to that type of temptation, how can God protect you if you're not under his umbrella of protection? If we do not live according to his standard, he says, having done all to stand. If Noah had not done all that God had commanded him to do, he would not have been saved in the ark, neither him or his family or any of the animals that were put into his care. Uh, if Naaman had not done all that was commanded him to do to go wash in the Jordan seven times, if he had just done it five or six times, he, his leprosy would not have been cleansed. We have example after example like that throughout Scripture that leads us to where we are today. And in regard to what we like to call the, the steps of salvation, if you will, to hear and believe and repent and confess, as soon as you get to baptism, that's where people shut down. Well, I don't want to do that. We don't need to do that. And they've been taught a false doctrine by men, not by God, but by men that have twisted and turned the scriptures into something that they are not. When the verse says, having done all, that's the only time that we can truly stand in the gospel of God is if we've done it all. And you might think, oh, that's too hard. It's, it's not. It's not. A lot of these things are done simultaneously. 
And it's not that we are trying to preach an extra burden upon you that you can't handle. This gospel is for all, which means that all men can do it. Let's look at some of the, the points that he, he makes here, because this is for our protection. After all, what is armor for? Now, a lot of times people want to look at armor as being for attack, okay? And, and there's some aspects of that in this passage. I won't deny that, but armor, for the most part, is for our protection. This is what God is giving us, that we may be protected against sin, the wiles of the devil, what society is trying to throw at us today. God cares for us, and he's not throwing us out to the wild. He says in verse 14, stand therefore. Okay, I don't know. I don't wear physical armor. I've never put on a suit of armor. I've not worn the kind of armor that's described here in what maybe most commonly was uh, reflected from the Roman centurion. Uh, that's what these people would have been accustomed to uh, in, in society at that time. Uh, we know what it's like to have our military in a particular uh, dress or the type of armor that they might wear, uh, the police and other uh, authorities that are there for our protection. But uh, they're standing. They're ready for the fight. They're ready to defend. They're ready to deflect. Deflect. That's something that you want people doing for you is to deflect the artillery that might come your way. There are a lot of modern-day analogies that we can use, but sticking with what the Bible says here, he says, Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth. Yeah, I don't know about you, but most people you know, put their belt on standing up. You, know, you gird your waist to hold together uh, the, the clothing that you're wearing. You know, just to be blunt about it, you, know, you wear a belt to keep your pants up. And you know, it's something that you kind of tie the whole you know, ensemble together, you might say. It's not a fashion statement. It is a practical statement that's used here, and it must be done in a practical way. So you've girded your waist with truth. The real lesson here is truth. That we need to look at what God's Word has to say. As Jesus said in John uh, chapter 4, talking to the woman at the well, he says, you know, the, God is seeking uh, those that worship him in spirit and in truth. And what is truth? Well, that, that's that that's that puzzling question that Pilate asked, right? When he knew what the truth was. Because the evidence was standing before him and evidenced in the life of Jesus Christ. And that's why he could not, in good conscience at least, send him to his death. Now, he did anyway at the whims of the people. Because he ponders truth as though it's something that can't be figured out. Like people do today. Well, you know, my truth. Anybody that says my truth is lying to themselves. My truth is a lie. The truth of God is the truth. And so look at what the Bible has to say. Gird your waist with it. It is the only thing that will tie everything that you do together. Your belief, your faith, you have something to stand on. This is, what, this is the analogy that Jesus uses when he talks about the foundation of the church and being the chief cornerstone. These are things that we can understand are something that holds the building together. In this particular case, it holds our clothing together so that we may be clothed properly with the righteousness of God. So gird your waist with truth because without it, everything else is going to fall off. Then he says, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Breastplate is a very important aspect of one's armor because it protects the vital organ, uh, organs within the body, the heart, the lungs, 
the very things that we need to sustain this life, to be able to, to breathe and to live, because life is in, in the blood, as the scriptures say. So we put on the breastplate of righteousness, and there's the key word, righteousness, that which is right. You know, some of these things you could say are a little bit interchangeable. When we look at truth, we're talking about righteousness. But righteousness is God's plan of salvation that we've talked before in past lessons when we talked about His grace and how it's been given sufficiently for us. God has given us the right plan. He's given us the truth. He's given us everything through His Son, Jesus Christ. He is a righteous God. And everything that He does is for our protection. So put on that righteousness. Carry it with you everywhere that you go. Because what is right cannot be infiltrated by the devil. Verse 15. Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Well, that kind of goes without explanation, right? We all know what shoes are. And of course, a lot of times we'll look at uh, you know, sandals as being used you know, to protect the soles of the feet. For what purpose? For going somewhere, for walking, for being able to carry the weight of this armor. I know I like a nice, comfortable shoe. When you're carrying around a lot of weight, you, you want to be able to walk on something that's pretty comfortable. And in regard to those things, uh, we carry the weight of the whole armor of God upon us. Your feet need to be shod. In other words, they need to be clothed with proper protection from the elements uh, that are out there. So what does he say? Prepare it with, um, or the preparation of, the gospel of peace. You know what Jesus said for us to do before he left this earth? He said to for his disciples to go into all the world and teach the gospel to every creature. To go. How do we do that? We, we've got to take it places. We've got to carry the weight of the gospel with us everywhere that we go. And it's a good weight to have. You see people out there, and of course, I live in a community where there's a uh, military post nearby. And uh, one thing that you'll see are many of the troops, the soldiers that live in the area uh, when they are training, not always on post, but they spend some of their personal time walking up and down the streets. And you'll see these guys with heavy packs on their back because they're training they're out there preparing. They're shodding themselves with the armor that's necessary to go out into the field, to go into battle sometimes, but for our protection. And so the more they do it, the stronger they become. And so we need to shod our feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And without these, uh, without these things, we have no you know, armor. We have no... Uh, artillery. We have nothing to protect us and we have nothing to defend uh, truth with. Look at verse 16. Above all, taking the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. But then he goes to use words like this, above all. And of course, you could look at this in, in one of two ways. Is it, is it more important to have the shield of faith? Well, again, the shield of faith won't work without the other elements. But the shield of faith is there to protect from the fiery uh, you know, darts that are headed your way. And it means that you put it above all. In other words, to protect everything else that you're wearing now, you need to hold that shield up. And that shield is the shield of faith. And faith is belief and trust in God. You can, have, you can have your Bible with you. 
You can walk around with it. You can quote scripture all day long. But if you don't really have trust and faith in God, then it's just a book. It's just words, a few words of wisdom, a few little pithy things that might, you know, help you throughout life. I mean, you can't go wrong with living by the Bible whether you really believe it or not, right? But here he says, your faith is at the very heart of the matter. A person can be baptized. In other words, they can go down into the water and they can be washed and they can rise up and they can say the right words. They can talk about Jesus being the Son of God and then go on their way and never live another life, another day of their life in service to God because they haven't raised the shield of faith against Satan. And so what begins to happen is their shoes, the preparation of the gospel of peace, they wear out. Their, ba- their belt, it becomes uh, rotted and starts to fall down. The breastplate of righteousness, well, they, they just forgot to put it on that day. You see how everything else falls apart and cannot protect us unless we hold up that shield of faith that the darts of Satan may not attack us. And so I think that's what he means in some ways by above all to be able to quench those fiery darts so that the rest of the armor can do their job. Look at verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation. Let's stop there for just a moment. Because when we think about salvation, again, you could, you could probably make the argument that the helmet is, again, another uh, piece of armor that protects a vital organ. Protects our, our head. <laughs> uh, you cannot function without the head. And so it protects uh, the very thing that provides, one of the elements of our lives that provides us with life. So take the helmet of salvation. Salvation, as the scriptures teaches us, is what God you know, has given us to save us. I mean, just look at the name itself. But I always like Romans 1 and verse 16 that says, The gospel is the power of God into salvation. So, so you see how all these elements kind of fit together so that one can work with the other? We've already talked about the gospel of peace. We've talked about that. And again, I didn't really focus on this a moment ago, but when we talk about armor and going out to the battle and going out to defend what is right, the end result is peace, by the way, because that's what we're looking for. We're looking for a, a peaceful life. We, we want peace spiritually so that we can have peace with God. I can tell you, you're not always going to have peace while you're here on this earth. But you can have peace with God, your Father in heaven. You can have that right now. And so he goes on to say, take the helmet of salvation. You know, that's the sure thing that ensures your salvation. There are many people that lost their lives because they weren't wearing the proper uh, headgear. You know, I, I grew up in an age where I didn't have to wear a helmet to bicycle. But, you know, I took my granddaughter out bicycling the other day and I made sure I wore my helmet. And, you know, not just to protect myself, but to encourage her to wear one to protect her as well. And you might think, oh, there are too many rules in the world today. They just want us to wear seat belts and they want us to put on helmets and do all these things. Well, the truth of the matter is they do save lives. They do save lives. And a lot of times people are taking their spiritual life into their own hand because they're not choosing to wear the proper armaments of God, the whole armor of God. And they'll say, well, I can wear everything else, but I'm just going to skip the helmet today. It might mess up my hair. And then that's when they fall. And that's when sometimes life is taken because you want to protect the head. 
It can do a lot of damage to you if you're not wearing the helmet. And of course, one of the big aspects of all this is what we are going to not only defend ourselves with, but to go out and attack sin with. That's the sword of the Spirit. We've talked about many times the necessity of what a sword is or what the Spirit is in our lives. And of course, Paul, I think, sums it up here in one phrase, which is the Word of God. The Word of God. This Bible, these scriptures, these are the only armaments that we have against sin. These are the things that God has given us so that we may stand against the wiles of the devil. And if you try to do it without his word, you will lose that battle. You will fail. But if you let God's word stand up and be that truth, be that righteousness, so that you can wield the sword. A sword does many things. It protects. It can also be as a shield. It attacks because we've got to go uh, against sin. We have to rebuke. We have to correct. We have to show what is right in this life. And you need to show the word of God. Let the Bible be your sword. That's all we have time for in our lesson today. But let's remember these things for our next lesson as we talk about some of the practical applications as to how we use this armor. Because right in verse 18, it begins with our communication with God. Because if we're going to go out and fight the good fight, we need to communicate with our leader, with the one who's directing us in that fight. If we can help you and encourage you in any way, please reach out and email chriskramer11 at gmail.com or make a comment on YouTube and Facebook. And we look forward to seeing you next time on Truth and Reason. I walk with the King, hallelujah. I walk with the King, praise His name. No longer I roam, my soul faces home. I walk and I talk with the King.